Blog Talk Radio. Hey everyone, it's Cal from the Internet's Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Tonight's episode, which is episode 148, is brought to you once again by Blue Haven, New York City's sports bar for grown-ups. They're located at 108 West Houston Street on the corner of Thompson down in Greenwich Village. They've got great beer, they've got great food, it's a great, fun, relaxed atmosphere to watch sports. Now, let me ask you something. Are, are you a grown-up? Have you been looking for a place like this to go hang out, go watch NFL football, they can watch college football. They get the Major League Baseball playoffs have just started and even English Premier Soccer. Trust me, go check out Blue Haven. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. On Saturdays and Sundays, they serve brunch with your football at Blue Haven from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. They give you a complimentary breakfast cocktail with that. They have 19 beers on tap, including Blue Moon and Guinness. And it's also that time of year for Sam Adams' Oktoberfest. If that's not your thing, then don't worry. It's okay because... Blue Haven also has 35 types of bottles to choose from. I mentioned the food. The food is great. So you got sports, you got beer, you got food, and what else do you need, really? That, that's pretty much it. So go check them out at www.bluehavennyc.com for more details. They're located in the West Village. You're going to love this place. How am I so sure? Well, I've been there personally, myself. Sam Peace has been there himself. We've been there together. We would not lie to you about this, I promise you. I mean, we haven't have we lied to you yet? No. We haven't lied to you about anything yet. The answer is no. So please, go check out Blue Haven in New York City, www.bluehavennyc.com. Head on down there today. So, now, without further ado, we present to you episode 148 of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, talking New York sports. Nice. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Grandma's going to kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 You stole it! He stole it! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast Night, episode number 148. Coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. It is Wednesday night. It is 10 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Hi. Hi there. 
Good evening. Welcome to uh, another uh, episode of the podcast. Uh, I am uh, one of your hosts, Steve Sampietro, otherwise known as Sam Pete. Everybody calls me that. So awesome. I love it. I have been Sam Pete going on 20 years now. It'll be 20 years. <laughs> and I'm I'm thinking of how to commemorate that. I'm not sure. Small dignified ceremony, balloons. I don't know. I've been Sam Pete for a long time. Anyway, welcome to the program. Let's bring in the co-host. We have a lot of New York sports to talk, and we're going to be joined by Patrick Flood in a little while. Patrick Flood used to be a Mets blogger. We had him on a bunch of times. He was great. He's awesome. He's very funny. Glib, without being, uh, you know, smirky. Very, very funny. Pop culture big Mets fan, smart kid. Uh, and then he got uh, access to the to the actual Metropolitans as a Met blogger working, uh, blogger working for SNY.com. And uh, he wrote a great piece on narrative.ly this week on what it was like to finally become a Mets blogger and get access to the team and get and basically see the wizard. And when the wizard is the New York Mets, man, that's more disappointing than it being an old man behind a curtain. Uh, no, so he wrote a great piece. We're going to talk to uh, Patrick a little later on in the show. Uh, so let's get right to it. Uh, here we go. Uh, big show sponsored by Monsters by Stripe. I'm doing Joe Franklin again. Okay, here he is. The co-host of the show, the guy who's Cal, Mr. Brian Calniva. Calpino Caliente. No Cal. music for... Oh, there we go. No music, though? We had... There it is. Uh, uh, uh. Here he is, the co-host, the co-host, the co-host. Hi. Hi, Cal. What, oh, is this, what is that dance you're doing? Uh, is that twerking? I don't know what twerking is. I, I don't, I hope not. Are you twerking right now? I'm doing something. I'm, I hope it's not twerking, though. Are you, Brian Calvi? Twerking right now? I don't know from the twerking. I'm an old man. I'm not supposed to know what that is. Liberty flu. Get I'm off an my old lawn. man. In my day, we didn't have any twerking. <laughs> we didn't have flame retardant pajamas. <laughs> you liked it. This. Uh, how are you, buddy? Good. I'm I have good. some. I have some big news. Is it something that I don't know about yet? I don't know if you know about it. I don't know if PJ knows about it. We're going to bring in uh, PJ in a second to talk about this. This is big news in my life, Brian. This is oh, this is life. This is Sam Pete life news. This is not like no, 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 or, no, no, no. We're not having. Oh, another... I thought maybe you know, like the government came to an agreement or no, 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 no. We're not breaking news like that. No, no, and they're not going to come to an agreement. Okay. We're not. Gonna, we're not going to talk. Listen, pal, don't push your politics on me. That's right. Right. <laughs> that you know, funny enough, that quote that you just had relates to my news. Go on. Breaking. Oh, if only we had music for breaking. If only news. we had music for this. Something yeah. something has happened that has changed my life Ooh. in a very profound way. Do you know that on Netflix you can now watch portions of, not in their entirety. Episodes of Saturday Night Live from 1975 on. Yes. 
What's that? I knew that. You, I thought I thought you, you could had watch. This, you had this information and you you didn't share it with me. I just assumed you knew. I have been like a junkie with this for a week now. Yeah, it's dangerous. You can and, you you can find yourself spending a lot of time going back and watching that stuff. It's a rabbit hole. It's a complete rabbit hole. And I have gone down, I am Alice in Saturday Night Live land. I've gone down the rabbit hole. I am, a, did you, PJ, did you know about this? Let's bring in PJ. He's, he's, he's Bishop PJ Cachopo. PJ, did you? I am. Sure, so he gets that music. Right. Nail, sure. nail that. Yeah, sure. Nailed. He nails his intro music. Uh, Let's stick to what's important. Right. Your intro music. Did you know about that? I had no, no, I had no idea. I just got very excited when you said this. And and it made me think of an instant question, which is, and you got to ask Flood this, of course. What's the first episode you rushed to? Now that you know it's here, that's it. That's a great question. It's a. Tr- it's I. I can't. You couple that with the fact that uh, Bill Simmons had Robert Smigel on, uh, on his podcast on the BS Report, and Smigel rarely does interviews and. He's a big sports fan, and, and Simmons has been trying to get him for two years, and all credit to Bill Simmons. Uh, not that he cares that I am saying this, but he did a fantastic interview with Robert Smigel because he is a Saturday Night Live junkie. And so he asked Robert Smigel, who was there starting in like 1984-85, that was his first season, the really awful year, <laughs> the transition year with Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall. Says you. Right. right. Um, he asked him all the questions that we would a- ask him. Have you listened to that yet, Cal? Not yet. No. Yeah. Now you had your finger raised a moment ago. We're we're actually video chatting as well. Oh, Very great! High tech. This RTU. This is oh, this is the beginning of the high tech era. By the way, this is it. We, we right. started. We'll talk about this in a minute. We're ushering it in, Cal. You had your finger raised. Usher is here. Usher is here. Wow! Don't piss him off. No, no, he's okay. He's mild mannered. Oh, he's not sure. Kanye. Is it? Is it no. Kanye who's pissed at Jimmy Kimmel? Kanye. Yeah. I can't keep my uh, uh, rapper feud, rapper talk show host feuds going. Now, Usher, Usher might be having a problem with Craig Ferguson. Yeah, and who's Conan's all wrapped up with Fitty? That's right. You don't want to get involved in that one. That's don't you feel? Don't you feel like in all of these rapper uh, talk show host battles? The rapper has a distinct advantage. What do you think? Like, I'm taking the rapper plus the points. Or minus the points, I should say. Like, no doubt. Well, I've yet to see a talk show host with an entourage. <laughs> right. Except Jimmy Fallon. He's got the Jimmy roots. Jimmy Fallon, he's got the roots. Jimmy you know, Fallon, they don't mess with him. Right, he's like the only guy who could actually hold his own maybe in one of these feuds. No it one's was... angry at Jimmy Fallon. Who has ever been angry at Jimmy Fallon? I don't know. Maybe maybe millions of Saturday Night Live fans who get pissed off when he would giggle during sketches, ruining them. We all forgave him for that. That was a temporary hang-up. We did. That. We're past that? We, we're all past it. We have. Right. Which I did brings not get us back. On that. Which brings What's us back. Cal, what were you going to say? What you run to? But oh, what, no, the re- I w- all I was going to say was I'm, I have to apologize. I did not know that Netflix had this. I, it, I'm thinking of Hulu. Oh. Yeah, no, no, no. This is this is. I thought it was new to Netflix. 
Like it popped up in my. It might be. You may like this because you watch this thing. Netflix now has Hulu. That's how good they are. Wow. Right. Mind blown. Like yeah. When will then be now? Soon. Wow, first step. I that sounds like a fun load question. No, and the the weird thing about it, guys, is that they're not full episodes. It does sound like a fun load question. Hmm. Are they? Well, they're not. Fun, they're not full episodes because I don't think they have the music rights to show the they full probably, episode, right? Right. They don't have the music rights, but I, I mean, some of them are literally like twenty six minutes. I mean, you take out all the commercials, you take out the music, and you take out selected sketches. Hmm. That some of them are literally like twenty five minutes. They're good though. It's everything. Part of it they leave. Oh man, I I have delight. We, we can talk about this perhaps in the fun load because I have delighted at. Here's the here's what got me, guys. I'm watching an episode from say 1983, like an Eddie Murphy still in the cast episode. 19. Or even even better when he comes host to when he comes back to host in eighty four, eighty four right, and it's I, I'm watching this and I'm like I watched this live I was ten. How right. did I yeah. watch this? And I know I know for a time it moved to ten o'clock. Right? Wasn't there? Wasn't there's? I, there's, I don't remember that. No. No. Is that, is that true? We need to look this up. And Simmons mentioned this in the Smigel interview. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. SNL I, briefly went to ten o'clock. I don't know. I don't know how this is working, but I watched these live, and there's no way I was up at twelve thirty at night. At yes, you were, because we all stayed up when we weren't supposed to stay up to sneak a peek at this show. We all did it. That's true. I, or we'd pretend to be sleeping. And then when 11.30 would roll around, you'd right. sneak downstairs. And... Or you you go 13-inch television in your room, the black and white. Right. You're supposed to be asleep. You got it on the black and white in your room. These were clearly in the living room, though. Parental, really just poor parental situation. I'll be honest. Not, not a great job. <laughs> there. You know, this is not to cast aspersions at my mom or anything. But really, just not, not the best job there. And my brother and I, both of my brother is two and a half years older than me, so he was only 12. <laughs> well, that's okay. Well, as long as he was watching it with you, it's fine. That's right. He was guiding me through. Anyway, we can talk about what, uh, we can we can touch on that in a, in a quick fun load tonight. Because, But this was this has changed my life. I can't, I'm up all night with the baby anyway. And that's what you're watching now? I mean, this kid's, this this little guy's first words are probably going to be, you know, matzahs by stripes for the unleavened. from New York, right? <laughs> the unleavened, Jackie Rogers Jr.'s hundred thousand dollar jackpot wad. He introduces the axe. That sketch, uh, Cal, phenomenal. Remains in the pantheon. I'm sure. I haven't seen it in years. Simmons did his. I'm going to go back and watch. Yeah, Simmons talked his, but there's not a lot from that season. There's not a lot from the All Star season. Okay. Because that wasn't that wasn't Lorne. No, that was um uh Eversol. the football guy. Ebersol. That was the last year of Ebersol. So there's not a lot from that season. Okay. But uh anyway, it's uh, it's changed my life. Congratulations. Thanks. That's Thanks. good. 
Yeah, I feel I feel good about it. You sure don't have New York sports to feel good about. Am I right about that? You you segue bastard. Am I you right? You magnificent segueing bastard. Well, Should we do the big unload or does PJ want to talk about something? Where did PJ go? Oh, I guess he does. Oh. Well done. Really it's the big unload brought to you by 1977 and by <laughs> Starsky and Hutch. Should we be? Is the big unload now like a bad, good cop, bad cop thing? I feel like we should put on afros. Like you should put on like a. Like a Hutch Afro, and I'll put on um, oh, a denim jacket. Yeah, I'll go denim jacket and, and bell bottoms and like really. Are you going to be the edgy uh, part of the big unload? No, I think you should be the edgy part. I'm can the, I be the captain who's tired of your guff. Yeah, absolutely. Of course you can. Calvi, put your badge on the table. Damn, <laughs> Pete, you- I want your gun by the end of the day. Come on, Chief, you just don't get it. No, you don't get it. I got the mayor on my head. Hey, listen, listen, Chief, there's New York sports to talk, all right? There's people dying out there and you want me to fill out paperwork? Come on, Chief. (laughs) Listen to two of you knuckleheads. You got till 11 o'clock. Then I can't help you. We we have till 11 o'clock to talk New York sports? Get out there. <laughs> I'm changing my name to Brock Zampede. <laughs> I'm taking away your microphone, Cal. You're over the edge. You can't quiet me. <laughs> I gotta Cal- be sure see. That's when PJ slides the microphone back to you, like across the desk, and, and you say, are you asking him be a, me to be a host again? <laughs> uh, okay, so the big unload is brought to you by uh, 1975. Things were good. People got laid. All right. Hey-o. Hey-o. That's two weeks in a row I've managed to get laid in there after 100, 147 episodes without it. Okay. I've got a newborn. Someone's a little loopy. Um, okay, so uh, let's uh, let's get to the big unload. Let's get right into it. You wanted to talk about football. We didn't talk much football last week. I did. I, I, I think the big unload tonight is uh, New York football, the state of New York football. But I have a couple of I have a couple of thoughts. I've made notes again, Cal, my friend. What do you got? Well, uh, let's start with – we were going to have Joe Caparoso on from TurnOnTheJets.com. Joe's going to be on again next week. He had a family situation to take care of. Nothing – I'm told nothing bad, just something he had to take care of. He started a new job, so he was uh, he was sort of uh, against the gun with that. He had to drive to Jersey and family and stuff. But go to www.TurnOnTheJets.com for the best coverage of the Jets around. Uh, the Jets are two and two. I think uh, there's so there's there's so much that has gone on with this team, Cal. I wanted to pick one thing out um, that we can talk about. I mean, everybody knows 
from Sanchez and Marty Morningwig and two and two and the expectations of being the worst team in football, et cetera, et cetera. I wanted to just pick something out that I've seen uh, over the first couple of weeks and um, and something leading into this week's game in Atlanta, right? So they're what nine and a half point dogs this coming Monday night in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta's one and three. They're going to be pissed off. They're going to be a desperate team, quote unquote. Uh, the Jets are banged up now at receiver. Uh, Santonio Holmes is out. Uh, and uh, Stephen Hill looks to be out with a concussion as well, which means we get more of Clyde Gates. Great. But I, I, I uh, here's what I wanted to ask you, Brian. So you're watching this team for the first four weeks. Now, one thing we've said, and I think this is important, is from a fan aspect, this year so far has been way more enjoyable than last year. Right, we thought we talked about that a little bit last week, right? Yeah, I don't know about way. At this point in the season last year, by see by week four, I just mean it feels like football again. It's a I, little I, bit, yeah, a little I bit. I feel like I, I feel like I, I, the Jets have gone back to just being an excruciatingly painful team to watch, right? Because of football, though, not because of Tebow or the coverage or the media or the circus or the. I mean, even when they won last year, they lost. That's right. Now, this year, it just has a different feel to it. It feels like 2009 or, or even the Mangini's first year. Like, it feels, it feels different. It feels like they just, they just stink. Right. It's it feels like they're, they're just a young, rebuilding team. That's right. right. Um, but going into Monday night, I, I think they have a chance. And here's why. To me, they have a very good defense. That's been borne out over the first four games. I like the idea of that defense in a dome going against Matt Ryan. I like it. Well, let's let's little backstory to this. Backdraft? Yeah, a little backdraft to this. Champete is not a big fan of Matt Ryan. I'm not. No, admittedly, I'm I'm I had I never have been. I think he's been a product of the talent. I think he's good. I think he's good at best, but he's overrated. I think he's slightly overrated because you, I. Uh, you think he's a little more than slightly overrated? I think he's tremendously overrated. Yes, that's that? right. That's right. I think he plays in a dome. I think he's never had to deal with the elements. I think he's been on a uh, a team that has surrounded him with a ton of offensive talent. And I think if you juxtaposed him, uh, him and say Mark Sanchez and you gave him Mark Sanchez's coaching and talent level, I don't think Matt Ryan's very good. I, I really don't. Now, he he shut me up last year winning that playoff game with a big drive and a fourth quarter comeback. And a little bit. Only, a little, still, only at the time. Yeah, I still think if you get pressure on him early in a game, like last week, I think he starts seeing ghosts very quickly. I really do. Okay. And I and, and I feel like this is a good matchup for Rex Ryan and for the Jets defense schematically to put uh Copels, Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, uh Snacks Harrison, uh Antoine Barnes, Demario Davis, put a, a lot of speed on the carpet under the lights um against a what I don't think is a is a great offensive line. I think Rex Ryan can put some pressure on Matt Ryan and keep the game close. <laughs> Olsen Johnson's right about Howard Johnson being right. There's a lot of Ryans involved. 
<laughs> but this is this is thematic for me, Cal, and this is why and I wanted to ask you about this. This is why the idea of the wristband, which came up today, Rex Ryan talking about the red, green, yellow wristband that they made Mark Sanchez wear in 2009. And that came up. Rex brought that up today, said we might implement that for Geno Smith, and Twitter went ape. Of course. Crap. And everybody went crazy, and it's the worst thing in the world, and blah. And I don't, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. The idea of situational awareness for a rookie quarterback, and I'll tell you why, they have a great defense, Bry. You look at this Tennessee game last week, if they don't turn the ball over, even just the fumbles, forget about the interceptions. You can have the two interceptions. If you don't have the really bad fumble and then the ridiculously bad fumble. You mean butt fumble two? That's right. <laughs> the revenge? Right. <laughs> Did you like my theory on that, by the way? Revenge of the butt fumble? What? That Sanchez taught him how to do that, <laughs> hoping that he, like Sanchez in practice said to Geno Smith and training camp, like, you could totally do that. You right. totally get away with that. But only Sanchez would have everybody say, wow, that was good. But that wasn't as good as Sanchez's. Right. And they bring up Sanchez. Like, he's trying to get everybody to forget about him. Right. And it only reminds them of him. I think it was a diabolical plot by Mark Sanchez. There is nothing diabolical about that, man. I saw – look, like I said, it's also the plot to lay Miz. So you can't put it past him. <laughs> Mark Sanchez said to Geno Smith, he saw him doing that in, in, in a training camp practice. He said, dude. You can totally do that in a game. And you know when you should try it? By the goal line. Under heavy duress at the goal line. Best time. Do the behind the back. They totally fall for it. These NFL guys, they've never seen that. And then it'll it'll blow up on YouTube. But anyway, if you don't turn the ball... Now, what do you you make of the wristband? Does the wristband idea drive you crazy? No. No. As a matter of fact, if if, if you recall... When they put the wristband on Mark Sanchez in 2009, he went to the AFC Championship game. He did. And, and I mean, they took the wristband he... off, but the, the point is it, it doesn't bother me. I have no problem with that. He's a rookie. He's learning. He's brand new to the league. And Why he's brand not new help to, him out? And he's, exactly. And he's brand new to this offense, to, an, to a pro-complex offense. It's, what, what's know, wrong with trying to really make it – Everybody's bitching and moaning that the offense is too complex and that Marty's giving him too much, and they should be running the ball 75% of the time, which you can't do in this league. Sorry, you have to make passing plays to win games. Not in 2013 NFL. No, you can't. You have to make passing plays to win games. You have to. And I feel like the reason Marty Morningwig is still calling so many pass plays is because it's there. I mean, it's there. You know, he's missing... And he's yeah. a rookie. I'm not right. killing. I'm not killing Geno Smith. He's missing. He's leaving a lot of points on the board in these losses. I agree. So, to simplify it and give him a pretty easy system of simplifying, what's wrong with that? You're going to stunt his development. Well, you know what stunts his development? Seventeen interceptions. You know, eleven interceptions in four games or whatever. Eleven turnovers in four games. That stunts his development. You know what else would stunt his development? Matt Sims being put in. Coffee, <laughs> too, and, as well. And coffee. That's true. A lot of coffee, though. No, it doesn't, it doesn't take much. I See, now, do you th- – okay, so you had no problem with the wristband. I had no problem with the wristband. And, and then, you know, three and a half hours later, Rex said, I'm not doing it because I think he saw Twitter blow up. And he went on ESPN Radio in, during his weekly spot 
and uh, said we're not going to do it. But I didn't have a problem with that. I think there's something to teaching. And Marty Morningwig, you know, the, the, the popular scuttlebutt cow was that he went to Morningwig and said, I'm thinking of doing this. Mm-hmm. And Morningwig was like, look, we, we don't. We don't need. To. I'm not Brian Schottenheimer. We don't need to. <laughs> we don't need to give the guy a wristband. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just tell him not to throw. <laughs> I mean, or I'll, or I'll call simpler plays. I mean, that was the whole point of the wristband with Sanchez. The right. red, the red plays basically said you have one read. If it's mm-hmm. not open, throw the ball away. What's, what's wrong with that? Nothing. How else are you going to learn? And not only that, it's situational. It's not. It's, it's. You're up. You know, you're up nine three. In the third quarter, it's not the time to take a shot. You have a good defense. Do you want to win games? This sure. defense. Wow, that was whiny. Smack me. That was really whiny. Ask, ask that again. Yeah, let me do that again. Do you want to win games? Mm. No? No good? Felt forced. Try one more time. I feel like... Okay. Try, like you're asking me. Like, Ask me if I'd like to win games. Okay. Do you want to win games? I, I do. I do. You have a great defense. Let the defense play. I'm going to do that. Don't turn the ball over. And You'll have means, a chance in every game. Yeah, if it means simplifying it for my rookie quarterback who's played four NFL games, I'm okay with that. Yeah, And didn't play in a pro offense, everybody. Did not play in a pro offense. So, no. uh, But here's here's my question. In, re, in regard to – and I have a great – we're going to talk about it. I have a great thing with – Joe Caparoso. We're gonna. I was gonna talk about it tonight. We were gonna talk about it tonight, but Leave we're gonna. It. Yeah, we're gonna save it for next week. It's just a whole point about Rex Ryan and defenses and stuff. But later, and we'll do that next week. Yeah, we'll do it next week. In fact, I even talked to Joe about it, and he's like, "Oh, we're totally talking about that." Um, Can I play Joe's theme? Yes. He's got new themes. Well, it's, do you want to say he's coming on next week? Why don't you save it for next week? Because I'm so excited about it. He's got no self-control. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do you, it. You have a new theme for Flood, too, right? Sure, sure. Can you whip up a new theme for Cal while you're at it? What do you need? I, Tell me what I you like. It. I sense Cal does not care for his new music. You know, this is this that does nothing for you? The... No? This is out? I think it's the the, the Casio PT one eighty cowbell. You know is what that, that is? Is that the Samba setting on is that, the Casio? That's, that's the Casio Ocean Eleven, the, isn't it? That's the preloaded song when you get a new Windows computer. <laughs> when you open up Media Player, if you have nothing, you at least that's have awesome. that. That's wow! Playing a loop. So that's what I get: a preloaded <laughs> song. <laughs> That's out of the box, I gave generic, no thought no. entered into it. No feel. I, I would like you to email me some influences, and I will put together, I will stitch together a quickie montage of of music that is that is you. He's skeptical. Kel. <laughs> he, seems, he seems skeptical. The ro the robot, the robot's trying to get your attention. <laughs> All right. Can it be something that would be in a rock musical? I want it epic. Oh. I don't I know want... if I, I don't know about epic. 
<laughs> See, epic is the exact opposite of you. That's why it's funny. Oh, oh, not I get feeling it. epic. Right. We're going ironic. I don't want you know the third eye blind. I don't want that. Well, that was never on the table. You know that. Don't worry. Oh. We're in a third eye blind, <laughs> nickelback free zone. You don't have to really want, worry about that. I want. My mind is clearer now. At last, I want like I want Ted Neely to come and sing Cal's theme song. Oh, Can all we, right. Hey, we know a guy who sounds a lot like Ted Neely. We don't. Really? Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. We do. Can you can you imagine, Peach, if you could get Sean to sing Cal's theme song? <laughs> oh, Cal, this guy's voice. This guy, when when he was in PJ's band in college, they covered Bohemian Rhapsody easily. Wow. He played Jesus when they did JCS. He's got oh, that kind yeah. of voice. Yeah. That's he, impressive. He's got that rock light, light opera voice, Cal. Oh, your theme song would be all right. I mean, it would be. <laughs> Dennis DeYoung would be, would be like, that song was awesome. <laughs> now, about that robot. <laughs> I got the robot great idea. <laughs> Can we? Yes. Yeah, the, ro- the robot's got to be in there. <laughs> How come the Flaming Lips were able to do the whole robot thing so much more, not successfully, because Mr. Roboto was... I have an answer to that, though. Hugely, is it sincerity? Is it yes. just pure sincerity? Exactly. That's exactly it. They did not take themselves as seriously as Dennis DeYoung took himself. <laughs> right. So Yoshimi works because it's tongue-in-cheek. Right. It's they, about they, a robot, yeah. but it's, it's not really about a robot. Right. They weren't equating it to life-saving brain surgery <laughs> or a song about a robot <laughs> with the same level of intensity. Right. How do you feel can about that? Can we do a whole album? episode about the Flaming Lips, please? You can. That's on the Bishop cast. That's on the B- Bish cast. Bish, oh, Bish, Bish cast. Bish cast. One oh one. It should be. It should be either Bish cast or Bish fest. <laughs> That's hard to say. It's really great though. If you just go fast, it's just Bish fest, and you know it, and everybody knows it. And you just you move on. <laughs> Bish fest. Two thousand. See, I feel like and Bishfest would be a celebration of all things PJ. <laughs> I agree. Right, right, that would be that's like the Comic Con for me. Right. <laughs> Which, by the way, is long overdue. My you'd go own personal Comic Con. You go rent out the Javits Center for them. You'd have vendors come in, sell stuff. Let me tell you, people something. come dressed as me. <laughs> <laughs> they come dressed as Danny and Lily. Right. We do a little PJ cosplay. It'll be great. Let me tell you something. I think J.J. Abrams is on a panel there for some reason. Absolutely. And the cast of Heroes. The cast of Heroes. And Buffy. Buffy. Oh, yeah, exactly. Definitely going to be a Buffy panel. The cast of Buffy would have to show up to discuss me. Why do you think PJ watches the show incessantly? Hmm, Sarah? David David Lynch is like, what am I I doing here? (laughs) I got something about Bishfest. Uh, looked interesting. I don't know. I feel I feel like I feel like that PJ fella is just kind of an idea out there, and that he's not really real. He's like it's like being in in a dream with him. 
Why is Gilbert Gottfried at Fish Fest? <laughs> Why that was Truman my Ca- lynch. Why is, Why is Truman Capote at Fish Fest? Everybody comes to Fish Fest. They all, Why they are... all melt together. Why is... <laughs> Andy Rooney. Why is Andy shows... Rooney? Why? <laughs> so, is, so is Caparoso coming back? Because if, if Joe's coming back, then I, I, I won't spoil with the music then. He is definitely coming back. We were just going to talk about him, though, then I was going to play it in the background. Why is Struther Martin at Bishfest? What is he? He's been he's been dead for fourteen years. What is Struther Martin? What we Struther got Martin here impressionist is Bishfest. Bishfest and some good now food. Now a reading from Confederacy of Dunces. <laughs> Who's leading the Vonnegut discussion this year? I was going to say we have to have a big Vonnegut panel. Yeah, who's, who's forget, leading? forget about Confederacy and Dunces. We'd have to talk about Vonnegut all night. Yeah. And Douglas Adams. I'll tell you what, Bishfest, get Linder on the phone. Bishfest is starting to sound pretty good. And you know Bish, what? It could be a pretty Bish, high-minded thing. Could we call it Bishfesticon? Bish, Bish Comic-Con? Bishfesticles? <laughs> Who is the third best Pink Floyd cover band? <laughs> It's their play. Yeah, we want number three. <laughs> the guys, the guys who don't do anything after Animal. That's, Can we that's get the machine? Gonna... Lord, no, we can't get the machine. No, no, no. we're gonna go no, down no. with it. Get the Adam Hart mothers. Get, get the, the. The sad thing is, Cal, he knows all the names. Yes, I know. That's why I'm asking. Well, Will you that... stop it. Like, that everybody doesn't have a favorite band. Come on. We all do. We just don't have seven favorite cover bands of said band. All right. All right. Well, that is where the that is where the Flaming Lips uh, discussion will take place. We'll do the podcast. You're not under the collar here now. You're getting a little bothered. <laughs> this started, not this a started, sweat. I don't like it. This started to feel like making fun of me a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I'll tell you something. The food at this thing, phenomenal. Oh. You don't go away hungry. It's phenomenal. There'll be so many grilled meats. Oh, phenomenal. Food. There's a whole cheese corner, right? <laughs> next to David Lynch. <laughs> they put me next to the cheese corner. <laughs> Seemed a little weird, but hey. I, I saw the Cohen brothers across from the cheese corner and said, that's all right. <laughs> I made there. It, I made him an effe- a feminine southern gentleman, so that's fine. that's all right. He'll take it. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Getting back to football, I have one more Jets question. Okay. Uh, then we're going to talk about the Giants, and then we have Patrick Flood coming in a couple of minutes to talk about his great piece on uh, and and it's good baseball wise too. The Indians and the uh, Rays are engaged in a wild card game right now. What's happening? Spoiler alert. It was uh it was three nothing. Rays. Uh going to the fifth, I believe, or going to the bottom of the fourth. Do you have a score for us there? Yeah, three nothing going to the bottom of the seventh. Wow. What's Nick Swisher on the game? Uh he's probably 0 for twenty. Bro. In one game. Has he broed it down? <laughs> no way, bro. Has he broed it up? He always broed it up in the playoffs. Did he bro it sideways? He's broing it all over the place, bro. It, does he have a perpendicular bro going? 
Where? Horizontal, bro? Let me, all right, here. Bro squared. Nick Swisher has been up three times. Can you guess what he's done? Two strikeouts and a pop-out. Uh, no, one strikeout. And I don't know what he did the other two How times. Many, he's over three. Has he stranded a small village on the base path? I, that I don't know. Because that would be good. Is that playoffs? Bro squared? Bro cubed? Bro, yeah. Bro In the playoffs? Brofinity. <laughs> Bro goo goo flex. I had to do it. Yeah, I know. Somebody had to do it. Okay, last question on the Jets, and then and then we'll move to the the zero and four Giants. Surprising. I can't I can't even get those words out of my mouth. It's very surprising. Um, Almost nobody saw that coming. No, I did say to the the biggest Giant fans that we know that they were going to have a problem blocking for Eli Manning, and that they had no running game. But nobody listened to me. That's why I said. Almost nobody saw that coming. <laughs> Me and David Lynch. We were the two. Lynch saw it coming. He, but he, he saw it with a dwarf and an albino who smokes. And uh, Anyway. Um, <laughs> so you would not have put Matt Sims in that game? No. No, absolutely not. You don't have to yell at me. I'm right here. No. Is the Jet theme music for 2013. That's right. And I would not put Matt Sims in. I don't want to hear... You know what I'm tired of hearing? I'm tired... Not the song. Not the song. No, yeah. keep playing the song. That's fine. What I'm tired of hearing is the fact that because Matt Sims has this pedigree, he comes from the loins of a, of a, of a Hall of Fame quarterback, that he's automatically going to be able to go in and be a better quarterback than Geno Smith. I don't want to hear that. It's it, that's nonsense, but but nothing to be gained, Cal, for Geno Smith to sit and watch when you're playing terribly. Uh, not yet. I, I think it's too soon for that. Really? Oh, it's week four. They're two and two. It's week four and they're two and two. If it's week seven and they're two and five and he continues to be bad, maybe let him sit for a little bit and watch and watch Matt Sims. That's I'm I'm fine with that. I think it's too soon. Do you think? There's anything to the idea that there's a fear of playing a, a, a slight perception fear of playing Matt Sims, having him succeed, and having that no be detrimental. No, I'm not. I'm just saying be detrimental to Geno Smith's development. No, because that's the same. That was the same theory used last year with Tebow. They were afraid to use Tebow because God forbid he would have come in and. But you and, can't you can't compare Tim Tebow to Matt I'm, Sims. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm comparing. I'm ta- I'm ta- no, not even as a player. I'm talking about the phenomenon. I'm not even. No, I'm comparing the situation. Okay. That's all. There's no comparison between the two. I just think I just don't buy that. I don't buy. I don't buy that an NFL. That an NFL coach is afraid to put somebody in because he might be good. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, Matt, I, I understand that, and I totally agree with you. We we think that the coaches, uh, and some coaches do, Cal. Some coaches have big rabbit ears in baseball and football. Some managers do. Yes, They're, sure. they, they definitely listen to the will of the fans or are at least sensitive to it and at least sensitive to what the media is pressuring them to do. These guys are not immune to that by any means. But what 
I'm not saying that per se, that they're concerned that Matt Sims is going to be good. Uh, my question is, Geno Smith, we're talking about personalities now. So we don't know Geno Smith's personality, but what if he's a sensitive kid? What if he's the kind of kid who gets benched, Matt Sims comes in and plays well, and now maybe you've lost Geno Smith a little bit? Well, I, okay, I, so I, I'll buy into that, which... I'm not is, saying that's the case. I'm just... No, I'm, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'll, ex- I'll accept that as a theory. That maybe they're afraid to... To sure. put Matt Sims in in that scenario for fear of losing Geno Smith. Well, and then and then that goes back to my point from a couple of minutes ago that it's too soon to be thinking about putting Geno Smith on the bench. It's four games in. But you, know? you weren't going to put you weren't going to bench him this week. I was talking about in the fourth quarter of that game. Right. Once the game once the game is thirty one thirteen. Yeah. Why is he out there? You know, take a seat and realize that you can't. You have to protect the ball. Well, let me ask you something now. You can. You seem to be asking a lot of questions tonight. I'm going to ask you a question. Go on. Is there I'll any, allow it. Is there anything to be gained for a young quarterback in a situation like that? He's in the fourth quarter of a blowout game, something that he's not really used to doing. Is there something to be gained for that, for him in that situation? I think it's just simply a matter of repercussions, that you see that there are repercussions for not protecting the football, for example. And in that game, those turnovers were were bad, especially the fumbles. Again, I can live with the interceptions. I don't like them, but I can live with the interceptions. They make sense to me. The fumbles are awful. And we just went through a guy who fumbled the ball 32 times in two years. I mean, if you, if you cut Mark Sanchez's fumbles in half, just make it 16 over the last two years. Okay? Eli Manning has about... 25 more turnovers than him. Okay, It's the fumbles that killed Mark Sanchez. It really is. It's not the picks. The picks didn't help. The picks certainly don't help, Cal, but, you know, Eli Manning's thrown 70 picks in the last two years, or, you know, in the last four years. Sanchez has thrown 69 in that time. Okay? It's the fumbles. You can't lose the ball 32 times as a quarterback. As a quarterback, you just can't. Right. No, I, I agree. I agree. Because he would have a two – it's not about Sanchez, but he would he would have a two-interception game that was actually a five-turnover game because he would lose three fumbles. And here's the other thing, and this is just sort of obvious, but when you throw an interception, unless it's a taint, and those are rare – those are rare. I mean, I think if you look at all of Sanchez's interceptions, I, I don't think he threw that many. Usually it's downfield. When you fumble, you're giving up possession and you're losing yardage. That's true. You're giving the team, uh, the, the 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 defensive team, a short a shorter field to work with. I mean, if you throw an interception 25 yards down the field, there's a good chance your receiver can make a tackle. Maybe you get a little bit of a run back, but you're still picking up yardage. Fumbles are just worse to me. They're just worse. They're killers. But do you think the do you think the fumbles are born out of him trying to do too much? No, I I'll be honest. That that I mean that fumble. Well, the one the one by the, the, the behind the back we can't even talk about. Behind the back is it's, it's that's not real, is it? Like I had the reaction of Spinal Tap. Well, that that didn't that that's not real, is it? Like he didn't really just try to do that. 
It's just it's ridiculous. You know, he's he's a ridiculous person. Like that's silly. The one that kills you is the one where he has the first down. He somehow decides to run horizontally instead of just going past the first down marker and sliding, which he could have done. And he's got the ball in one hand out. I mean, you just you can't. That's the one that that's worse to me. But my my point in, in all of this, Bry, is just there's repercussions. You can't turn the ball over. You see that score up there? It's thirty-one thirteen. We're losing because of you. Sit down, take a seat for the rest of the day, and think about protecting the football next week. You're going to be a starter next week. You're going to be right back. Take a seat. You know, Francesca says this all the time, and you know what? In this particular instance, I agree with him, which is pff, write it down, mark it down. What are we at? <laughs> at the uh, you know the the 41-minute mark of the show. I I agree with him. In this particular instance, your job is not a given. No, right now, absolutely not. You can get pulled from a game. If you make bad decisions and you're careless with the football... Take a seat for the rest of the game. Take a look. At what, he, he's never seen what an NFL game looks like from the sidelines. Take a look. Is it, playing time is not a given. You know, I. but that's me. Now this week, Cal, if he starts out, you know, in the first half, if this is, let's say this game is 13 nothing at the half, Atlanta, and he's turned the ball over three times. You know, two picks and a fumble. Do you run him out there for the second half? You're in a winnable game. Is it winnable at that point still? 13 nothing. Of course it is. Yeah, I run him out there. Wow. I run him out there. Because if Matt Sims goes... Well, never mind. I just contradicted myself. <laughs> You were just about to you were just about to say if Matt Sims goes in and wins the game, now you've got a full blown controversy on your hands and you don't want that, so you don't even put him in that position to create that situation. Thank you. All right, I'm done. <laughs> I don't I you there's I think the point is moot, by the way. Talking about Monday night's game. It's a it's a moot point. Okay. They're gonna, I just wanted, I think they're I just wanted to I oh wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that coming. I'm sorry. Wow. You think they're going to lose bad or badly? Uh, I see a very similar outcome to this week. Wow. I see like a 28-13 game. Oof. Something like that. You don't think that... Okay. <laughs> and that's Jet Talk for this week on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam P. Uh, we got flood on the line. Should we should we go right to Patrick? Do we need to talk about the Giants? No, yeah, no. Let's let's keep Patrick on hold while we talk about the zero and four Giants. Zero and four. That's a good idea. One thing. Oh, we really are going to keep him on hold. No, right? no, no. Just one, I'm just going to say one thing, and then we're going to play the flood intro music. Intro roll said they're winning the next twelve games. I saw that. Yeah. If they do that. It will be the first time they win 12 games in a season while Antrol Roll has been a giant. That's right. And yet everybody said, well, he can say that. They've done it before. Well, they haven't done that before. No. Okay. No, they haven't. If he had said, 
we're going to go on and get hot and win the Super Bowl? That he could say. They've won two championships, so they have carte blanche. Uh, he's only won one championship. Doesn't matter. He has oh, carte I blanche. He gets, he gets carte blanche by it's proxy? Not, it's nice. Does he get by proxy carte blanche? It's one of those like employee perks that you get. <laughs> you know, it's like dress down Friday. <laughs> right. <laughs> they get to dress down on Fridays, and they get to say whatever they want to say. Right. Because yeah. they're classy. Hey, look, they play the Eagles this week. Yeah, go win the game. Big game. Well, somebody could well, win the NFC. Side. No, somebody could win the NFC East at seven and nine. It's very possible. I mean, nobody wants to win in that division this year. They're not very good. I I would almost call it the NFC least. No, please don't. No, no. I thought that was clever. You must be a Met fan. I've heard that before. Yeah. Speaking of Met fans, touche. Let's bring this guy in. He's an old. Yep. He is a former Mets blogger for SNY.TV. He's been on the show a bunch of times. Callie's got a t-shirt. I sent him a t-shirt. Oh, good. He's got the RTU t-shirt. He's probably wearing it right now sans pants. That's what I was promised. This has to be this has to extend his record setting appearances with the with the show, right? He is officially Alec Baldwin. That's correct. Right. Um, this does extend, yes. Um, but he wrote a great piece uh, on narrative.ly uh, called The Misadventures of a Baseball Blogger. It really was – we haven't heard a lot from Patrick in a while. Uh, it was great to see this, and uh, it's great to have him back on RTU. Hello, Mr. Flat. Hey. What's up, man? Ooh, uh, you know, then uh... – <laughs> Disappointing Mets season? I don't know. What, what is there to say? <laughs> yeah, I think, just play the music again. Yeah, just I think you were taken aback as we were because we didn't know that PJ had prepared that intro music for you. Um, it's magnificent. Do you know that song? What is that song? I am having trouble making out what it is. I see. I, it's, it's, so am I. Yeah. All I hear is flood. It's time for flood. That's pretty oh, good. All right. Yeah, I don't. I, like I don't that. know. Maybe maybe PJ can uh, can tell us what in the world that is because it's magnificent. I didn't hear. That here is, comes, here the comes the flood. The flood. Right? Here comes the flood. That is here comes the flood from the 1975 Peter Gabriel album. Wow. And of did the you same name? <laughs> did you take it off? Peter Gabriel track? albums have no name. <laughs> Oh, right. The first four had no name. Nothing pretentious there at all. It's great. I think he was just out of ideas. <laughs> As he is now. Uh, Patrick, welcome back uh, to the show, buddy. It's great to have you back. And uh, it was great to see you. Let's talk about this. this uh, let's talk about this piece first, because it was really, really uh, insightful, interesting. Um, and then we can talk about the, the disappointment that is the New York Mets. Um what my first question, honestly, in reading this and having been along for the journey with you, because yeah. I started I started reading you very early on, I think, in your blogging, and then we had you on the show, and 
you know, it's it's been like three or four years. So did you – have you been sitting on this idea to sort of uh, uh, write a cumulative article about your experiences? Not really. It was more of a couple months ago uh, – the the website asked me or the editor, uh, one of their editors, Will Akers, who's a Mets fan. He's on Twitter, and I don't know if you guys follow him or not. I think he's like Legion. I actually don't know how to pronounce his Twitter handle. But he, he uh, <laughs> asked me if I wanted to write something for like the baseball week, and that was the first thing that popped in my head. And I said I could do something like that, and, and that's sort of where it came from. But it wasn't something I've been planning for a long time. It's funny because you were pretty you were pretty honest about how covering the team from the inside made you feel about the team that you watched for so many years from the outside. And I wonder if, and and you're a fairly young guy, if somebody had a number of years ago presented you with the piece that you wrote, like here's the, here's the piece that you wrote about what it's like and how your feelings might change by doing what you did somebody would have presented that to you a few years ago, would you have viewed that kind of as a cautionary tale? And would that have kind of scared you off a little bit from, from trying to do this in the first place? That's an interesting question. Uh, I would, <laughs> it's like, so, so it's like time machine me comes back and like shows me this. Exactly. There's a time machine involved. Exactly. Yes. There is obviously, obviously a time machine. Um, yeah, I would have. I would have hoped I still would have done it because it was a lot of fun and, and all that. I mean, it does change, uh, like how you view the team and, and stuff like that. I think in some way, and then I think the more time I spend away from it, the more I just sort of slide back into like, like you know, irrationally hating people and that kind of thing for the most part. Um, <laughs> at least I can sort of separate the two. Like while I'm, you know, if somebody comes in the game and can't throw strikes, I can sort of be like that's still person, but I wish he would throw strikes and, and that kind of thing. Um, I have, no, but I, if like if, if the time machine thing happened, I definitely would would have done the exact same thing. I just, you know, I got to do fun things. That was cool. Yeah, I have a uh, I have a really good friend uh, who's well, we do actually. Calc, as you know, uh, Scoot as well. I have a really good friend who's been in the media for a long time and and uh, in the sports media, and he's you know Patrick. He's like a sweetheart. He's just a great guy. He's very quiet. He's very unassuming. He covered hockey for a long time, but he's covered most of the sports and. And we, he worked for the Bergen Record and stuff, and and he talked about this idea that, and you talked about this again in in your post, this idea of that that moment when you see players as people, like when it shifts from the sort of sycophancy or idolatry that you have for the guys on the team that you root for because you don't know them, and so they're sort of automatons. <laughs> And it's sort of, or, or, you know, you at least don't think of them with human emotions or whatever. Maybe they're Vulcans. Yeah. I don't know. But, and that, that, that switch flips and you're like, oh man, these are guys. Like these are like, the, you know, the, even though this guy sucks, he still gave up like a home run tonight and it lost the game. And like, now I'm in the locker room. What was that? What was that like when that, when that switch flips? Um, well, definitely change. It definitely changes the way you feel because I think uh, initially there is that like I, you know, you like these guys like your heroes. You think they're really cool, especially when you're uh, a kid or younger and stuff like that. You know, I remember like Edgar Alfonso was the greatest thing ever when I was a little kid. Um, I liked Armando Benitez when I was little. 
too. You know? <laughs> um, Just to give you an example, right? Sure. Right, and then you like slowly get older, and you, then you like then not every single player on the team is your favorite. You you pick some that you're not going to like because they're not there because they're Armando Benitez or, or something like that. Um, but then this was this was different because then it would it sort of changes it from you can sort of separate out like this guy is not playing well. And like, but like, don't like on Twitter, like tell him that you hope he dies. Or like, just like the person <laughs> don't do that. There's no reason to do that for anybody. And hopefully, you should be able to understand that like everybody's a person anyway. But it can be hard to get lost in it because it's like a thing you watch on TV or in in person, and, and it'd be like you know, you feel like you'd sort of you're just saying these things about like characters in like a movie or like in a book or something like that. And they're sort of like not real people. So you can just like um, turn them into like you know. This guy is terrible and he's a jerk and I hope he's like, you know, they trade him and he is like, you know, his life is terrible. But he's actually like a real person and then he's, you know. Now have you been but right, but have you been able to shift back? Like slowly shift back into the you know uh, the idea that you can sort of separate the, the guy the the separate that there's a human on the other end of the phone? and shift back into just sort of fanhood? Has that been like a slow ease back into that? Uh, I would say yes, but I'm also hesitant to like how much to attribute it to being having done. I mean, obviously some of it is, is having like met a lot of those people or talked to them very briefly and stuff like that. And that changes how you feel, but also just, I got older and I think obviously if you get older, like, you know, how you root, for baseball when you're like a teenager is different than like when you're in your 20s or when you're a little kid and that sort of thing. Right. Do you, Patrick, do you think the most successful writers or members of the media have the ability to make that distinction? In other words, you you were talking about how you see these players as they're not just players anymore, now they're people. Do you think right. that a lot of people in the media look at them and, well, they're not just people, they're players, and I have to put my feelings about them as people aside in order to do my job. Oh, yeah. I think ideally, if you're a, a really good beat reporter or, you know, columnist or something that you're able to, like, be friendly with everybody and, and, and that sort of thing, but also cover the team as objectively as you can. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a great deal of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you Did you – well, that's funny. Did you – Get a newfound respect for. We talk all the time about the the separation between new media and new sports media and bloggers and and you know the Matt Cerrones of the world and Mets blog and how it's changed the way we root for our teams. I mean that's a big part of RTU, right? We've talked about it a bunch on the show. Um, and you you know you guys doing mostly Mets. You know used to do the mostly Mets podcast and your blog and has. Has this experience changed the way you view those beat guys? Are you easier on them now? Oh yeah, yeah. I think I'm definitely easier on them now. I think it's a um, just like I, it's just a really hard job to write something about the same team like 162 times a year, um, especially like if it seems like the Mets are just they're not very good. <laughs> it's kind of like you got to really stretch for things, and I, and I think I definitely have a lot of admiration, especially for like the um, Gary Diamond in the Wall Street journalist here, I thought did a really great job with just lots of very, uh, like, articles about, like, you know, someone's glove and things like that. Um, uh, yeah, about, I mean, like, I, I, I... Yeah. Just, just no, sort of, I, like, yeah. lots of interesting things like that. 
yeah, I mean, I can I can see that. I I I just feel like though there's a passion that you have for the team that you had for the team going into it that right. they can't possibly possess. And if they did, they gave it. A, I mean, you know, you talk about somebody like Andy Martino, like or what his rooting proclivities were before he became a, a Mets beat writer and then a baseball beat writer or whatever. And again, my friend, uh, that, my, that that friend of mine said, you you know, he's a huge Devils fan, but he was covering hockey. And he was covering the Rangers, and like he had to had to put that aside, and d- just yeah. to be as objective as possible. You and and your ilk, you know, the blogger folk and stuff, who are getting more and more access to the actual team. Like you don't you don't have to put your passion about the team aside. That's what right. fuels what you're doing. Yeah, I mean the the objectivity thing in sports. You obviously don't want like somebody writing, you know, if they work for a newspaper, supposed to be objective writing. Some like you know, like being a Devils fan and writing about the Rangers and just like having a totally negative view of the Rangers. But I also think like the objectivity thing goes a little bit too far because it, it's like it's not like politics. It's not like you're covering like the White House. You're covering like a bunch of guys running around playing baseball. Like, you know, if you like want one of them, if you want one of the teams to win, like it, it's not the end of the world. If, like you're a little bit harder on the team or something like that. It, it's not. I mean, obviously, they should strive for activity, but it should be like, like who cares? Like, this is part of it. Right. Cal, we talk about. I'm sorry. We talk about. Um... <laughs> yes, I saw you formulating. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say it because we've talked about this in the past with with other guys that have come on the show about how the bloggers are getting more access to the teams, and I'm just curious now. You having been a blogger with more access to the team, how does the team respond to that? Now the media is always there. The print media and the broadcast media is always going to be coming into the locker room and asking questions. But now you've got a whole new segment of guys that are kind of hanging out in the locker room, bloggers. And what's what's the reaction, or what kind of reaction did you get from the players to you being in 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 their workplace? Um. Well, I think part of it is that I when I would introduce myself, I would always say it was from like S and Y. Um, or like from SNY TV and not like, hey, I read a blog. Ah, so, so that's instant credibility then. Right. It made it seem a little bit like I was a, like not just some guy running around, um, even though I really was. At least make it seem like, oh, I'm with like the <laughs> or something. Right. Um, so I guess the uh, the best way to do it if you're a blogger is to pretend you're not one. Because I was like, you know, like you were, you know. I mean, it's true for anybody if you like it. If you're someone doing your job and trying to come to you and it's like, oh, hey, I'm a blogger. Like, can I talk to you about it? You're like, yeah. Like, what kind of blogger are you? Right. And you you talked a lot about the, the idea of, you know, just pretending you know your stuff. <laughs> that goes like a long way. Like pretending you that belong. Goes, that goes such a long way. It's unbelievable. Yeah, pretending you belong goes a, a super long way. I love the idea. One one last thing on this, and then we we really want to get your take on. Um, well, we can talk to you another time. We got a long off season, so let's finish on this. Um, the the idea of seeing it as a business, and you you talked about you know never being able to see the game as anything but a business ever again. And I loved your example. I love the idea of of this you know the 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 electrolyte rich sugar water uh, in front of Terry Collins as he's giving his you know his his post game press conference. Yeah. And even going back to like product placement within a 
Like that's how much of a business it is. Like product placement within a post game press conference is just infuriating. Um, do you think you'll be able to move away from that aspect, or will, or is that just so ingrained? Uh, the idea. It sounds like that takes the fun out of it. Has it taken all the fun out of it? I wouldn't say it's taken all the fun out of it because I don't like do that anymore. I don't work for any kind of like sports related company right now. So, um, so it's like, no, I'm not a part of it anymore. I need to sort of be outside of it. So like, you know, even though I've maybe been like inside of the sausage factory, I can just like, I can enjoy the sausage now because I'm not there every day or something like that. I'm not like watching the sausage be made on a daily basis. You can kind of like forget <laughs> about it. And then you can just eat the sausage again. <laughs> so it's all about eating sausage. You had me at sausage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Back to eating sausage. Yeah. <laughs> I I have to, I have to I got one last thing and, and I'm dying to know this after reading after reading your piece you talked about lending a pen to David Wright yeah and then you and then you took your tests with that same pen since David Wright is awesome how did you do on those tests That's a tremendous I question Cal probably did not that great <laughs> it didn't help so you're saying sure there's no transitive I'm, I'm property sure it helped. I'm, I'm it sure it helped, was. but it was. Uh, I would There's definitely. No... I took the test more confidently, you know. I, there was like, I think I was taking like an economics exam my senior year, and I was done like 40 minutes before any other kid. I, like I turned it in right away, but it wasn't because I did really well. It was just because like I knew all the things that I knew, and I knew all the things I didn't know. And I wasn't going to waste any time trying to figure out things I knew I didn't know. So I just like <laughs> handed it in, and I got like a solid like C on it. But like I knew. Did you say that... so? So it was a very good test, not a superstar test. Yeah, not a superstar. Just a very good, very good. Just test. a very, a very nice test. A very good test. It was, a, it was not a superstar test. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's pretty much exactly how I would say it for my luxury box test. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, I really was really. Uh, I'm going to say really a couple more times. I was completely taken with this, this, this post, Patrick. I really was. Uh, there, when I started reading your stuff a couple of years ago. Uh, and Cal and I both, when we started reading your stuff, we really felt that immediately that you sort of had a, a unique voice. It was sort of sports guyish meets, um, you know, somebody with a lot more hubris and a lot more humility, which is nice um, in, in your writing and stuff. And I would really love to see you writing again. So I, so I hope that there's more sports blogging in your future and stuff, because just to get this back, it's, it was this was a great read. I mean, this is what, it's supposed to be. And I often found your work what it's supposed to be because it's coming from a place of enjoyment and and analysis and stuff like that. Oh, that's a, that's one thing I wanted to ask you real quick. How did you find okay. – you're, you're not a – I've listened to enough, and so has Cal. We've listened to enough Mostly Mets podcasts back from the days with you and Tad and Toby to know that I wouldn't call you a true sabermetician, right? Like we can't – you're not, you know, full boat money ball, but – you you like the baseball perspectives. Yeah, yeah, I think that's accurate. I think I, I like I like everything. But because oh. I like everything, that also means like I'm not like I, that the favorite metrics falls into the things that I like. Yeah. Yeah, you're not married to it, but how is that received? How is that per, uh, perceived is the better word. How is that perceived among both the media guys and then the players? Did you get any feel for that? Are they 
especially with the regime that's in place with the Mets? Uh, well, it would be the sort of thing I was going to ask somebody about any kind of like sabermetric thing. I would just like word it in a way so it didn't sound like I'm like I'm not going to go up to somebody and be like, "Hey, what do you think about SIP or something like you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you would ask Justin Turner just once. What do you? Right. Like, what do you, <laughs> what's your war this year? I'm like, no, no, I, right. Because you know, you never know who like pays attention or who doesn't pay attention. No, but, but I mean, but, yeah. Do they talk um, about it though? Do the players talk about it? Are the players aware of it? Are the are they you know the old school kind of media guys aware of it? You know, are they embracing it? Is it bandied I, about? I think at this point everybody's aware of it. I, I don't think anybody's like not aware of it. Like there's new ways to look at baseball, or at this point like old ways to look at baseball, but like right. you know relatively new ways to look at baseball. Um, but I think it also it sort of depends on players. I think some players are, are into staff, and players that are into staff are going to be into everything. Um, that sort of thing. I talked to Tim Hudson one time. I just asked him, like, do you pitch your set control over balls in play? And and I remember he said that he didn't think so, but he also knew, like, he knew about batting average and balls in play, and, and he, like, brought it up on his own, and I thought that was cool. He's, like, you know, he's a cool guy, he's a good pitcher, and he, he like, pays attention to those things. He knew Bob Biff, huh? He did. He knew what it was, and he you, thought that he didn't well, really have control over it. Right. You would imagine these guys would. I mean, these a lot of these advanced metrics are are very pertinent to what they're doing and they're pertinent to their next contract. I can tell you that much. Um, because the, these guys can, you know, can have their agents bring that up and be like, yeah, you know, he pitched really well. His Bob, it was this. And you know I mean? You can start to use these, look, it's all about business, right? It's all about the money. Right. Yep. Yep. So as soon as they can start using these advanced metrics to get better contracts or in contract negotiations, the players are going to love them. And they're going to be interested in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, Cal, uh, we we wanted to Patrick, if if it's cool, uh, we wanted you to stick around for our fun load segment. I brought some, but Cal, do you have anything else on the article? No, it, it really was a great article, and it was just it was cool to get some inside information. I mean, you, you didn't you didn't really reveal any trade secrets or anything, but it was just having, like Steve said, having read you for. A number of years, then to see your perspective on what it's like inside the clubhouse was just really cool and 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 sincere, and that's what we appreciated about it. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it it really was great, Patrick. We really look forward to. Uh, are you going to write some more stuff for narratively, or I have? I'm going to keep writing stuff. I don't know where it'll appear, so eventually it'll be like <laughs> I have my stop, but it's just not out there. So. Who did the uh, the illustrations? Um, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, well, like they they arranged. I think the guy's name is Dan Z something, but he did a great job with them. So. They're phenomenal. Yeah, that was really. Uh-huh. I didn't see them until actually the article came out, so I was that was fun for me. Like I, you know, I didn't read it because, um, but I looked at the pictures. <laughs> Do you have met pajama bottoms like that? Um, I do. Well, we all do. It's fine. I think I did. I don't think I have them anymore, but I think I, I think I did at one point. Yeah. I love the Fonzie poster on the wall too. That's so flexing. <laughs> and the great, yeah. the great thing is he has on your computer, like you're the author, hard at work. And I don't know if that's supposed to be sabermetrics. Like there's like a a pie right, graph, like a pie chart, and like a or a like pie a chart and like a graph and stuff. Yeah. Like like you're clearly looking at Bobip, and then in your backpack on the thing is like your economics homework or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, the illustrations are phenomenal. Well, uh <clears throat> our producer, the uh the bishop, 
Bishop, just Bishop. He wrote the rules down, Patrick. How we're supposed to address him? Okay. If he's in, if he's in the room, you say the bishop. So in other words, it's hi, the bishop. How are you today? If you're just addressing him, you say bishop. So bishop uh, has suggested that I ask you a question as part of our fun load because we talked about the fact that Saturday Night Live is now available on Netflix, going back to like 1975. Is it? I didn't know that. It is. Oh, we got to do the we got to do the song. We're contractually obligated to do the song. Is that right, Cal? How much? Yeah. Oh, we paid much, a lot. We, well, we paid a lot for the song. Okay. <laughs> I don't want people to pass by without seeing the sign. Thank, thank you. Hold on, Patrick. Just, just. Wait, what's wrong with him? Is he drinking? He's drinking. I think it's voice activated. Once you start talking, it just shuts off. <laughs> So, um, yeah, SNL on Netflix, and I have been instructed to ask you by our crack producer, you can go to any episode, 80s, 90s, 70s, any host. Aughts. They're all laid out. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. (laughs) Thank you, Apollonia. Where is the first place you go? Oh, what, what 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 sketch are you dying to see? Sketching my dying. I feel like this question is a little bit nuanced because there's a lot of like sketches that are very easily available online, like you can find them right away. And there's some right. other ones that you can't find, and you have to like you have to search for them or like find them on some like Russian video site or something like that. And then like you're not sure if it's actually going to play the video or just download viruses. <laughs> yeah, but that's it's worth it's worth trying to find out. It, that's troublesome. Well, let's let's right. open the question to the floor. Little. Yeah, let's open the question to the floor. Cal, where's the first place you're going? Uh, I... Patrick, these these have changed my life, by the way, because I have a an eight week old baby who I apparently eats all the time. I don't know all hours <laughs> of the night. I don't know what's happening, and I'm told this is normal, but whatever. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, but I have an iPad now. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of Netflix watching. I guess there are a lot of just like sitting there holding like this living thing and then also just watching Saturday Night Live. That's correct. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty much what it is. And, and just and then burping the living thing, which is no easy task when you're laughing hysterically at, uh, a Doug Henning impression by Martin Short. That's tough. <laughs> Cal, where would you go? Let's, you want, do you want to do it, Peach? You too. Get in on this. Do you want to do it by decade? By decade? I, yeah, I feel, I feel like you need an era. To you kind go, of. You want go eras? I can't. I can't give you one sketch. Let's go eras. That's hard. I can tell you the first thing I look for. Oh, of course. The first thing you I would can. go check is is to see if if uh, the Mil- the Milton Berle episode was there. Oh, what? That's eighty one. No, or is that a seventy? That was that was that was the episode that Lorne Michaels swore he would never repeat because um, he thought it went very poorly. Wow! And it I, never I, turned up again. So that's where you would go. I'd have to check. So you're not looking for a sketch per se. You're looking for filth, filth, Lorne filth. Well, isn't it interesting that there's uh, an SNL episode in the vault that probably no one our age had, had ever seen. Of course it is. What could they have done? 
that would be so bad that he would never show it again. I he had think, to drop uh, his pants, no? He had to drop, and if it was Milton Berle, we all know the rumors. I about think Milton he went. Uh, I think he went off script a lot, and and was playing to the audience a lot, and it was angering Lorne Michaels that he was disrespecting the show. You were disrespecting my show. <laughs> I don't like I that. I wouldn't dare do Lorne Michaels. I was, I was talking to Paul Simon when you were disrespecting my shoe. Um, Cal, where would you go in the eighties? What are you looking for? I'll tell you where I went. Tell me where you went. One of the places I went right away, and I now you're just I'm just scanning through them, guys, right? So I'm just looking, at, and it's all by host. And I went to look for the uh, uh, shot buckwheat. Buckwheat's been yeah. shot. Because again, I remember watching that live. But I'll tell you what I uh, and I, I found, and then I wanted the Eddie Murphy when he comes back and hosts in '84 with uh, Black History Minute. Uh, and I wanted to see if the "Give Me a C" a bouncy C sketch was as funny as I remember it was. But then I went, then I went Baldwin in 1991. First Fan- time, fantastic. Second time. He was well, nominated that's a good for looking Baldwin right there. That is a, del- I mean. Dash we're talking. We're talking about two different people. He's got the. He's got the voice. He's got the magnificent voice. But was we're that, talking about. I mean, he is handsome. Is that Malice right. era Baldwin? That is Malice era Baldwin. Yeah. They do the sketch where he plays the priest, and Julia Sweeney is the confessioner. And <laughs> they have this new thing where they're supposed to do it face to face to create intimacy. And so he slides back the panel, and he's, he's this ridiculously good-looking guy. <laughs> and, she, and her first, Julia Sweeney, to her credit, her first line is, you know, I've had impure thoughts very recently. <laughs> it's good. Good sketch. Patrick, we've given you a moment. What do you think? Where would you go? I Well, what's jumping to mind right now is, is there's, a, there's one time Ben Affleck hosted maybe like 10 years ago. And in that episode, they have an like, incredibly stupid but very funny sketch where it's like a supposed to be like one of those like movies scenes where like everyone they get stuck in an elevator, but it's an escalator <laughs> that breaks down, and like they go through all the things. There's like a, like there's a pregnant woman in there, and she's just going into labor, and and I all think those, I, like, I, I remember. Yeah, so that one's hard to find online. It's not it's not easily available. So that would be where I go first because that one always gets me. I think that's a huge key to this and why it's eating away at my life is that a lot of this is not – I haven't been able to find on Hulu, and I have so many sketches. And I was amazed at how many are from that 84 season. And then uh, that that all-star season with Belushi and Crystal and Guest. And, um, I watched a Willie sketch, the, what's the, the, the Night Watchman. I hate when I hate when that happens. Yes. Oh yeah. Very good. Just very solid, funny sketch. Just really good. Like, and I don't. I I thought that was funny at the time, but it's funnier now. It's better now. That like you know a little bit that that there's UCB and and you know the, all these sketch groups or whatever. It's funnier now. Like this is just pure good, easy sketch. Uh, comedy. I'm still looking for Jackie Rogers Jr.'s hundred thousand dollar jackpot wad though. I haven't found it. Really? No. Hmm. 
No. Like I said, that's a dicey year on Netflix because Lauren is like pissed. Because it was Eversol's yeah, last year and It's incredible that he still got such a heavy hand with those shows. Like just put him out there. Stop it. Just put him out. He's very protective of the brand. I guess. Do you do you uh Patrick, and then I'm gonna throw this out to the guys too. Uh to all you guys. If you had to go top five I don't think we've ever done this. Top five uh, performers of all time on Saturday Night Live. We've done this. We did it? Yeah. Yeah, but a long a long time ago. Nobody nobody heard it. Nobody, nobody was listening anyway. Well, I want to get Patrick. I don't think he was on that episode. Give me your top we five. We were pulling your... the numbers that we're pulling now. That's Performer? right. Top five cast members, yes, all time. Oh, the cast members. So now we're hosts. But just... Oh, I thought you meant guest performers. Yeah. No, no, no. We didn't do hosts. We did well, cast members. Or is it just sort of like, because like there's like Christopher Walken and Alec Baldwin have been on enough times, like they have their own like best of DVDs, even though they're they're not cast members. Yeah. That's a separate question. We'll do hosts another okay. time. So they're, they're <laughs> totally excluded from this. Yeah. Oh, man. Top, top five cast top members. Five. Here's what I love about this question. It's extraordinarily personal. It is. It, re- it really is. I'm getting well, defensive I, just thinking of my answers. Well, I, I'm going to have to say Will Ferrell is, is one of the top five because I feel like even though I think all of his sketches have maybe been a little bit overplayed now, just because those are but that's like the ones that sort of you can find those all from the internet very easily. Um, yeah. But like the Harry Carey space thing is still. <laughs> we were just I was just watching that last week. We were like, oh Patrick so we were just. Uh, it's just like played totally straight. It's just like we're just gonna have a sketch where Harry Carey hosts the space show, and there's, it's not really gonna be any jokes beyond that. It's just sort of we're just gonna see what would happen if we did that. It's and Jeff Goldblum is just perfect in that sketch. Just so good, you know. He breaks a little bit, but just like perfectly. I just watched that the other day. If the moon was made of cheese, would you eat it? It's a simple question. A baby could answer it. I would. <laughs> so, so good, tremendous, tremendous call. That's a that's a, that could be a pantheon sketch for you too. It's, it's very good. All right, so we got Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell's good. I like Mike Myers. Um, mostly for Sprocket. <laughs> which which apparently Robert Smigel uh, revealed there was a movie script for that never got made. And it was Sprocket movie. Yes, and it was supposedly very. It was supposed to be a very good script. Well, just that's very one of those ones. That just anytime I meet anyone German or see anything that even looks like a vaguely German, I just think of Sprockets immediately, and, and it just sort of has ruined like an entire group of people for me. <laughs> so, like a whole country and everything that has to do with it has just been sort of made silly because of one sketch. Right. <laughs> like, are there really that many old men in diapers running around Germany? <laughs> Instant ratings. That's instant ratings. Uh, okay, give us three, because five is too many. Give us one more. Then uh, probably Dana Carvey. Nice. Can't argue with that. That's a tremendous three. Hey, Cal, our buddy Craig wrote in. He's listening. Yeah. Craig, Craig the Chicago fan. He goes Sandler, Farrell, uh, Will Farrell, and Chris Farley. Good list. That's a solid list. In any order, he said. Um, 
I yeah, it's I don't I don't remember doing this. Yeah, we did it. I think there's a distinction though between your favorites and best of all time. That's true. Like I think Patrick, what you just gave us is it is I you could have guys that double dip. I mean I think Farrell uh well Farrell double dips there. Right. I think maybe the best of all time. Yeah, I think the, I love your favorites though. You can't argue there. But you can't argue with that. So apparently Smigel told the quick story about how uh, it, the the original Lauren Michaels impression was actually Mark McKinney in 1985 when he was like a 20 year old writer on the show. Mark McKinney and Bruce McCullough were writers for a year, really, and they, and they got fired, and then they went and did Kids in the Hall. Wow! But he st- he did an impeccable Lauren, and then the next year Carvey and Smigel had like duel not dueling Lauren's they did Lauren together. And so that's where the uh, – and then, of course, Myers did Dr. Evil. So, all right, Patrick, we're going to wrap up. Uh, anything to plug? Are you are you, uh, are you working on anything? You got any articles coming out soon? No, I have nothing to plug. <laughs> <laughs> He's spent. Leave him alone. <laughs> what do you want from me, blood? Okay, I, um, I have nothing coming out soon. So <laughs> you just hang up there and – old things. I love the descript- your description. A writer in Connecticut. Yep, that's day day after. Like, yeah, it's what time at the end. I was like, all right. No. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Flood is a writer in Connecticut. Just like just like at large. You could be anywhere. Right. It's the entire state and like a very vague, like, what am I doing kind of thing. So. Right. He's in Hartford, and then he's, uh, he's in uh, Watertown. It's got to be a Watertown in Connecticut, right? <laughs> There, yeah, I think there is a water tank. I actually don't know where it is, but I, there is one, I think. Well, listen, listen, Patrick, please uh, come on and uh, we'll talk Mets baseball as we uh, do nothing in the offseason. Yeah, anytime, absolutely. And, and especially should the Mets actually do anything this offseason, which we'll see. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, brother. All right, Thanks we got to wrap up. That is all the time we have. I'm ready to unload. Cal, we don't have... Uh... Good night, everybody. (laughs) It's epic flood outro music. Come on. See you next week. Jesse Morgan, Chris Farley, Gilder, Radna, Martin Shore, Dana Carvey. See you next week, everybody. Good night, Cal. Good night. Good night.